Hello and welcome to the Doc Arena podcast in association with Film Ireland. My name is Ross Whitaker, and every fortnight or so, I want to dig deeply into the motivations of documentary filmmakers. How do they choose their subject material and what approaches and strategies do they employ to fund, craft and distribute their work? In this episode, I'm delighted to speak to Jay Bedwani about his feature doc Donna, which is in cinemas from July 14th. The film is an intimate and candid portrait of the inspiring trans activist, artist and performer Donna Persona, following her journey to live authentically as herself and to reconnect with her family. It's a tender film, staying close to Donna throughout, and we become very emotionally invested in her story. Here's my conversation with director Jay Badawani. My first name was Gussie, and I hate that name. How old were you when you first dressed up? 59 years old. In San Francisco, living here now, I can wear makeup, I can wear dresses, I can do anything that I want. Persona, persona! I personally look forward to when it's not a thing. And I, I believe that day will come. We're from different universes, but we can come together. Hi, Jake. Thanks a million for joining me, fresh from the premiere of Donna last night. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, few too much, um, few too many free wines, but um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling good. It was, a, it was a really fun night. Okay, great. So, how about starting by, in your own words, I suppose, tell me what the film is, what it's about. Yeah, the film um, focuses on Donna Persona. She's a performer and transgender activist based in San Francisco. Um, she started performing in bars um, a few years ago and actually first time she put on a dress she was 59 so um, kind of a later coming out in life um, and the film begins when she's offered the chance to co-write a play about the Compton's Cafeteria riot which was a, it's an overlooked sort of part of San Francisco's queer history when transgender women um, stood up to police police brutality and she knew lots of these women and she kind of um, begins to um, go through her memories of um, of these women and her own memories. And, um, yeah, that's where the film begins. And it kind of takes on a journey to um, to reconnect with her siblings, her sister Gloria in particular. As I understand it, you're based in Wales. I see there's yes. uh, Welsh funding involved and I know Dewey, the producer, as well. So tell me, how did you end up making this film uh, with you being based in Wales? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was tricky. Um, I have a connection with San Francisco. I used to live there um, and would go out a lot and actually made my first short there about Donna, which was 10 years ago, nine, 10 years ago. Um, and I always kind of knew that my first feature, um, I wanted to make out there with Donna, ideally, if a story came about. And it did. And I just kind of jumped on it. And um, Dewey was great with kind of going for it with the funding because it is difficult. Um and um, yeah, it sort of went from then. You know, once you start, you kind of um, just have to keep carrying on. And we really sort of were committed to telling the story. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a trip. So um, it, it, it threw up some obstacles, but you know, we, we managed it. Yeah, it was at the play that that made you feel like you then had the structure to make it into a longer film. 
Well, actually, no. Um, it started with Donna's just her desire to reconnect with her siblings, um, and in in her own sort of way. And we we kept in touch, so she was talking to me about that quite often. And I just kind of had a feeling it would happen um, in the following years. So that was the sort of genesis, and that's what really interested me. And then, um, as you know, with documentary, like all these things come up. Um, and this, she talked about this play, and I have to admit, I was a little dismissive at first. Um, couldn't quite see how a play could work in a film, and the writing, um, it's not really what I was focusing on. But it really overtook her life and did change her a lot, particularly because of the people she met through doing it, the co-writers and the actresses. Um, so it just became a huge part of her life and then, then a big part of the film. Yeah, and it was another way of you being able to unfold her backstory, I suppose, that, you know, through those interactions that she was having. Yeah, it's a, it's a cheeky way of being able to sort of um, go back to the, go back to her history um, while sort of keeping it in the present, which is always really important for me. With Donna then, when you had kind of decided to go from, go into making a feature, was that a conversation you had that you said, well, now's the time or how did you broach that? Yeah, um, Donna's a performer. She loves the camera. Um, so she pretty much said yes straight away. And it was actually more of a case of me telling her, well, wait a minute, <laughs> think about this. This is what it will involve, what it could involve. And this is what will happen when a film comes out. And I kind of stressed that I only wanted to make something that was very honest and showed everything. And while she might be fine with that um, for herself, I also wanted to film some of her family and um that's when it gets really personal, isn't it? Um, for, for everyone, really, you know, you can say what you want about me, but don't say that about my mother or brother, you know? So um, it was, um, I had to stress that that's how it was going to go. But but she knows me. We had a friendship. Um, I'd made a film about her before. She knows my work and she knows the way I like to tell stories, which is fairly gently, you know? Um, and And so she trusted me, really. And I didn't show her a frame of footage throughout until she saw the film which was quite important for me. Um, so it was, yeah, it was very trusting. When you say it was important to you not to show a frame, why is that? Because I didn't really want her to know my intentions because um, she might kind of play up to them, even unconsciously. You know, we all can do that. And um, I just, you know, she's a performer, as I said, and um, there was enough of that going on, you know, and San Francisco and and it's a bit of a different culture in America as well. Um People are a little more performative, generally. Um, and, um, you know, so I, I was just very wary of her kind of knowing what I was after and um, that influencing the story of the film and, and her life, really. Yeah, because it's a very human film. You're very closer. You really get a sense that you're there with her and it allows you to connect with her, I suppose, as a as a viewer in a way that... that I suppose, brings you close to her and starts to make you understand her life and her motivations beyond the performance. Is that what you were trying to capture? Yeah, yeah, that's the intention. And it's really hard, isn't it? <laughs> so um, it took a while um, and lots of um, filming before we kind of got, well, before I got to the point where I was confident that this was, she was kind of ignoring me. There's a shot of her on a bed counting money, her tips. A very intimate shot, really, um, after a gig at sort of, you know, must be one, two in the morning. And that's actually the first shot 
I thought, okay, she's over me. She's just doing her thing. And that was really pivotal for me. And after that, I was kind of okay. But but if I ever brought anyone else in to help, which I needed help sometimes, um, it really changed everything. Um, she's a wonderful flirt um, and, and is interested in people. So she'll kind of ask them about things and it just... It, there was no way I could really do that. So it was, you know, for better or worse, mostly me and, and her. <laughs> Funny thing, isn't it, in documentary making, because sometimes I think even more so now when you kind of have these super docs that are being made for, for vast quantities of money compared to traditional budgets where everyone is saying, well, we want to shoot on the highest quality camera and we want the best DOP and, and we, you know, we want all of these things to raise the production value. It's hard to maintain the intimacy of a, of a direct relationship between a director and a subject in that case. Well, I agree. And this is why I really like indie documentary film. And people always assume you want loads more money and you want to have more people. And um, I really love the intimacy of indie docs. I worry a bit when people watch my, you know, watch Donna because we're getting used to these Netflix documentaries that have such a huge budget and really different to what I like and what I, I, I enjoy a lot of them, but very different to what I do or want to do. So, you know, I'm like, oh, God, this is a really quiet film. <laughs> um, but um, it's quite liberating making these kind of films. You've got a bit more time. And um, when the budgets are a bit lower, I mean, it's still, you know, you want to get funded and that's hard enough anyway. But it's, yeah, I, I like the smaller, smaller films. How much time did you then spend with Donna? And, and when did you feel like you had enough? Hours and hours, poor Donna. Um, a lot of it really fun in the bars, and you know that was actually when I'd have I'd have got kind of what I wanted. But you just think, wow, I'm really enjoying this. Going to the bars, filming, and kind of getting a bit better with the filming as well. That was all great. Um, the more intimate uh, moments, especially with family, that was hard. Um, and there's a lot of footage. Yeah, hours and hours. I couldn't give you a number, but it's a lot. <laughs> um, and um, I think I knew I had enough when, you know, there was never a point where you can carry on and on. And she's actually reconnecting more with her family now. And it could be great. And it could actually give even more of a, you know, full on ending, which some people really want. Um, but I was always just wanted it to show that um, she was on her way to something. And, um, and I think it does. And so when she'd had her meeting with Gloria, her sister, and they'd connected in a small way, they're looking at each other's nails, comparing nails in a Thanksgiving dinner, really small moment. But for me, those moments are just pivotal. And and I felt like then, okay, I've got something. And also, you want to finish something. Donna wanted it finished. I, I want to do other things. And it's like, you could carry on forever, you know? Um, and I wanted to get her story out. And then I felt that was the moment after Thanksgiving okay we've we've got something so tell me then in terms of the making of it at what point did you go for funding because presumably you had to show some of the access that you had and, and so on so that you could convince people that they they should get behind this yeah um well i had a great producer who was um always chasing um you know different funding pots and um i usually keep a bit out of that because i'm actually terrible with money and terrible with admin. So thankfully, great production team who could sort of help with that. But Film Cymru Wales are fantastic and I have a very good relationship with them in terms of they've supported me for years, training and just kind of keeping you going. Um, they 
you know, gave us some development money and I shot for a few weeks and edited with a great editor, Alice Powell, um, London-based. And um, we made something very different to how the film turned out, but they could see the access, they could see Donna, the character, and my kind of the, the intimate nature of the, of the footage. And we had a few ideas for how things might go, which we sort of alluded to. Um, and sometimes quite crudely, I wasn't not necessarily very um, comfortable with some of it because you're really, you know, exaggerating some things that I didn't even know would happen. But um, they were great. And Film Cymru really set us going in that sense. And we did a development lab with um, Scottish Documentary Institute, which also helped. So all the time you're sort of slowly working on it and making um, showreels and uh, uh, little rough cuts and teasers and um, hoping that people will kind of like it enough or it will resonate enough so that you can carry on. Um, can you talk a little bit about that process? As you say, the kind of exaggeration of what the story almost is at times or the you're trying to kind of map out what it might be, but you're actually making something that is unfolding in real time. How did you find that process yeah. and, and that pitching process at that point in, in the, I suppose, development and early production? I find it personally really hard because um, also the stories I like to tell are maybe a bit smaller. And like I was saying about the nails with her looking at comparing nails with her sister, those are the moments that for me really make a film. And they're the kind of small stories I want to tell. I mean, big for the person involved and, they're quite internal in a way, and it's really difficult when you have to pitch and show something that um, is um, maybe even more dramatic. And um, drama's great, but um, it's I, I prefer these uh, smaller observational stories. So, you know, I never really wanted any slamming doors or, you know, arguments. And um, But sometimes when you're pitching, I think you have to sort of almost ramp up that there could be this drama happening. And, and I get it. Um, and people don't know, you know, what, what you're going to do, really. So you have to change things a bit. Um, so I find it sometimes uncomfortable. Sometimes it's great to just have an idea of what kind of story you want to tell. And that, you know, making something into a story before it's even happened is quite useful because you know what you're shooting and what you're going for. Even if it doesn't work, then at least you've done it and you moved to something else. But um, it's a weird process. And um, right at the beginning, it's hard. But actually, as you get further in and you're working with an editor and you can see where things are going, then it becomes really fun. But um, yeah, the beginning of it is always really difficult. Really difficult because you kind of, you're setting out a roadmap, but you really have no idea where you're going. And But then as the story starts to unfold, you can start seeing, okay, A, this might happen or that might happen because I'm, I'm now not quite in control of the story, but I have a sense of, of this person's life and, and where it's going and what might happen. But those very early times when people are asking you about it, which is kind of, you need support. It's it's almost impossible really to say what's going to happen. I mean, one thing you, you did know about was her backstory and, and that's really beautifully told, you know, kind of interspersed throughout the documentary. She was from a, a Mexican family, extremely Christian. And, um, and it feels like, you know, she was absolutely the black sheep of the family. What, I suppose to what extent you, you were making an observational film. It sounds like that's your thing, you know, the kind of quiet, intimate film. To what extent did you want to bring backstory in or was that something you wanted to try and limit to, to what you needed? It's a tricky process sometimes, those two things. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a good question. Um, I actually started off 
thinking, okay, purely observational, not barely any voiceover, all of this stuff. And then turns out there's a lot of talking actually, um, which was um, as the sort of storylines unfolded, it did seem necessary to bring the backstory in because it's so relevant to what she's doing now. Um, and also she was writing. So you kind of wanted to get the words across that she's writing and, you know, you, you, it's her voice. So she had to, we had a great sound recordist in San Francisco, Brett Parker, who um, really recorded her voice well, I think, and got her to tell these stories, her stories um, in a really beautiful way. So there was talking there. And I think, you know, one big point with this film, she's transgender. I'm cisgender. We had, you know, um, Dee Ryder is our um, executive producer. She's transgender, but I really wanted to give, um, it's Donna's story and it felt like maybe more than other observational films I'll do, I needed to give her a bit more agency, not just have my interpretation of her life, which is what I really like to do a bit more, but um, it felt important to give her more of a voice, like literally. Um, And so for this film, that felt kind of right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you do need to, or you do want to know about her life and understand what that experience has been like, particularly now more than ever, I suppose, is something that maybe people didn't think about so much until recent years. And, and now it's something we all need to understand. Yeah, I agree. And um, it's always coming back into relevance. Actually, when you know we started, things weren't so bad. And now um, it feels like the transgender community are attacked from everywhere. J.K. Rowling tweets... Um, our prime minister or ex-prime minister talking about um, transgender athletes and um, and let alone, you know, things that are happening in the US. So it's unfortunately come back to being, I think, really important to get these stories out. And, and you know, I've always felt that it is, but um, it's funny how things come back to being a bit more urgent. And, and I feel like that will happen for a long time, unfortunately. Maybe these small victories and then, you know, so, so it's a great about documentary, isn't it? It's just going to be there. And um, I, I love that Donna's story, which I think is really about courage and persistence and uh, integrity, that it's just out there for people to find yeah. in the following years. It's just so easy to connect with on a human level that, you, you know, like sometimes that's the answer, isn't it? That, you, you know, you just need to understand a few people's story to change how people feel about it you know what I mean it's like you actually connect with another human being either in person or through a film like this and it can have yeah, a big impact. without politicizing with yeah without politicizing it too much and obviously there's a political debate um but we hear that a lot and actually some people don't um, respond to that well um uh and, and I so I think just showing someone's life someone like Donna how, how can you watch that and um you don't necessarily watch it and think about um the the toilet debate or you know athlete debate it, you just look at this human who just is trying to live authentically and connect with people and she's so kind and maternal um yeah I I felt like I wanted to make something that people um really could connect to her and just see this human for what what she is and one of the things that's expressed a few times in this film was what her hope is for the future you know as someone I suppose that that's quite far into her own journey that it's, you know, she can obviously see the debates that are out there and she can see the challenges that, that younger people than her in a similar situation are having. She speaks a lot about what she hopes for the future. You know, I thought that was really interesting. 
Yeah, and, and, and she is very maternal, so it's about what she hopes for her. You know, she calls them her children, not biological, but um, they are her children. Um, and um, so she's got this hope for them, you know, which um, I think is really admirable. Um, yeah, and she, she wants, you know, uh, she wants it to come to a point where, you know, we're not even using words to describe, you know, different um, people. And, and I think it's great. So has she seen it? She obviously has seen it now at this point. Uh, what was that experience yeah. like if you'd held off so much on showing her anything along the way? <gasps> oh, it was terrifying. Um, well, we had, um, I couldn't go to the States to show her. So we, and we were editing during like lockdowns online. Um, so we finished and I sent it to my good friend, Brett, who did the um, voice recordings. And um, they did a little screening at her house. And you know, Donna came in with a mask and they all sat apart. And I was waiting by the phone. <laughs> waiting for a phone call, really worried, really worried. And um, I get this phone call and I just hear Donna's great big dirty laugh. And um, she's like, I love it, Donna on screen, at a screen near you or something. You know, she was great. And she had, a, you know, a few things to talk about, but she's, she's a performer. She's an artist as well. She's a great photographer. And she kind of understands that it was my film about her and, and that she actually did, you know, um, I gave her a strong voice, but... She um she understood a bit and she's great like that and she um and she and she loved it and um she liked the bit where you know sometimes she's she says you know I look like a ugly frog in that bit but you know that's that's me too and there's also bits where she looks great when she's giving a speech at City Hall and um when she's you know got this beautiful dress on that people you know think she looks amazing and um, so she loves those bits too but she's she's great she lets you show show who she is and you know every, everything it's an interesting point in the film because some people swear by showing a film to the subject before it's finished other people say you know we've agreed that this is my piece of work and i'll show it to you so that you know what it's going to be like but not necessarily for your editorial changes what what's your approach to that well my um you know we had finished it but it was still a rough cut well until anything's just like dcp'd i'm you know there's a way to change it and um it would have been quite a fight in some ways i think to change big parts of the film but um i um i'd have had conversations with donna and i would have um yeah i think i'd have really respected it's her family and i never release something especially a you know a, a hopeful hopefully gentle but um quite very positive uplifting i think film i i wouldn't um you don't want that to actually cause you know big problems within a family that you're trying to represent um so so i think you, you know i i'd have been open to discussions and um depending on what you know she wanted to change i think we'd have we'd have talked about it um but some things, you know, were probably off the table. Um, but Donna's um, Donna's great, and she's understanding. She kind of knew what I was trying to do, and she she didn't want to change anything. Luckily, funny funny thing sometimes in those situations is the thing that comes up as to be changed is something that the filmmaker would have no problem with, and and it feel you know feels like something completely inconsequential. In 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 it's yeah, so funny. some little thing like nothing, you know. The, the family and all this stuff that I'm like terrified about. And then actually it's just about the heels she was wearing or something or her, her bra poking through the, you know, and so it's really, it's really funny. Um, but again, I, I just got lucky with the subject because she's, um, and that's sort of the point of the film. She's just showing completely who she is. 
and I don't really know many people who do that fully, you know. So, um, so yeah, that that did help. You talked earlier about wanting it to be purely observational, and then obviously that's not where you ended up. Although in a way, because she's writing, it is still a contemporary telling of of her backstory. Is that something you came to in the edit, or sort of realised throughout the process? I think realising, um, we realised throughout the process, especially with the play, um, that there wasn't really an easy way to do it without kind of having the context of her life. And, yeah. you know, there are other ways of getting it in there. You can have set up these conversations with other people and things. But um, I just thought, you know, she's a writer. She's writing and actually it's a really good way to get her backstory. But but still keeping it in the present in terms of a play that's going to happen in the next year. Um and and you know there was enough um i think some nice observational scenes that i liked that kind of do keep it within within that realm you know yeah and how about the edit then were there any discoveries more i'm fascinated by the editing process you know and and, and how the, yeah best, the film can change when you're in that in that part of the part of the process and and that time was there anything within that that kind of significantly changed or, or, or you changed how you felt about it? Yeah, um, well, again, oh, I love the editing process and it was so great discovering all these different stories with Alice and you put your post-it notes on the wall and you change them around and you have an idea and think it's going to be the best thing ever and it doesn't work, but then something else works. And I think the main point we discovered was that Shane, the younger actress in the film, um, their relationship was just really tender and very mutual and... Um, so that for me is like one of my favourite sort of uh, elements of the film. And that came out really during the edit. We just kept being like, oh, I love Shane. Oh, look at that. Oh, I love... And then we're like, wait a minute, let's work on this. And um, it was quite organic, really. And I'm really, yeah, really happy for that. Yeah, it's when you're working on that kind of observational material, there's always surprises within it that you didn't necessarily oh, feel at the time. Oh, it's beautiful. Like you just, just a small shot, which you didn't even notice because you're fiddling with a mic or something. And then it's just a look in someone's eye to someone else. You know, it's it's kind of why you do it, isn't it? And it's, um, I love that. It's like, it's so exciting to discover. How long did you edit for then? Oh, that's a good question. Well, there were periods of weeks, different weeks, and then you change it. I, I honestly couldn't tell you how many weeks. Like, I don't think I want to know. <laughs> Poor Alice. Um, but, you know, the main, the bulk of the editing was during lockdown which I think made, um, I think, I hope, the right side of sentimental. Um, but, you know, when you're looking, because it was scary the first couple of lockdowns and um, didn't know what was going to happen. So actually having this film that had some kind of hope in it and this wonderful positive character, Donna, and, and actually footage without any masks, I think kind of pushed us to just um, go on that side of, like, positivity, um, which is kind of my the way I operate anyway, I think. Can't really do much about that. Um, but um, it, you know, so, so yeah, but to answer your question, we did a good few weeks up to about 10 maybe during lockdown. Okay, very good. And what, what's kind of the, the plan for the film now? Um, it's, um, well, we've got a theatrical release, which I'm really happy about, um, doing, um, you know, um, screenings um, around the UK. Um some bigger um, venues, you know, Hackney Picture House, I think it is. Um, it's uh, playing in London for a couple of weeks. Um, there's um, some smaller uh, cinemas in Wales, um, Edinburgh. Um, yeah, so it's doing all right. Um, and on the, yeah, Bohemia Euphoria uh, 
are releasing it. So, you know, they've on the Don of the Film website, they've got sort of a list of um, screenings. A um, couple more festivals. I think um, we're screening at um, Pride in um, Ottawa in Canada, um, Green Man Festival in Wales, which I'm really excited about. And um, yeah, and hoping to maybe get some overseas territories. Um, but for me, for, for it to end up online, video on demand, just so it's kind of accessible is, is kind of where I hope it goes. Yeah, I mean, we're so close to the pride time of year. Is that something that helps the film that allows you to connect with certain communities, even though I'm sure you, you hope that it will reach a wide audience, you know? Yeah, I think um, that does help. Um yeah, it's funny. I, I I guess this is the producer role, isn't it? And I always sort of just think, "Wow, I finished it. Go and do your thing." You know, they they know what they're doing. Um, so I just kind of sit back a bit and just hope that it gets out there. Um, but you know, we the screening in Cardiff was great last night. We had all sorts, you know, and um, my my parents and um, it was a really nice crowd, and they all responded in kind of different ways, but overall very positively. So. Um, it gives me a, like a lot of hope for the film, um, connecting with different people wherever, hopefully far, far reach. Yeah, and when you have someone like Donna, it feels like a natural thing to do to bring her to screenings and so on and so forth. Is that something that you're going to be able to do? Oh, I hope so, yeah. I, I really want to find the right screening to just bring her over, and um, and she deserves it. And, um, we, we did have our premiere in San Francisco in the Castro Theatre, and um, that was... Um, that was fantastic. We came out of the screening and everyone was chanting, Donna, Donna. I'm sort of hidden at the back. No one's looking at me. Um, and it was so nice to see, you know, and um, I would love that to happen in, in Wales or London. And, you know, I, I, I think it will. Very good. And are you on to something new now yourself? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I actually started filming a, um, a Shakespeare professor. Um, I filmed him on his first day of retirement. He's in California, a gay Jewish um, man called Barry. Um, I filmed him the first time seven years ago on his last day of work. Um, and he's carrying out all these boxes from his room and I've kind of it's intermittently filmed him. And that's a lot more observational. And um, I'm aiming for a 10 year. And so I've got a couple more years left to keep filming and um, got a few different things happening. And all these people that have come into his life, you see them age with him. And um, there's, it's throwing up some really interesting things. And um, I'm actually really excited because I think the edit will be great because there's a lot of material and there's a few ideas I have, but you just kind of know that it's going to go somewhere else. And then, and again, when you trust in the character and you really like the character and, and he's very funny, um, it's it's like, um, it's a really nice project. So that's that's coming up. And i um, been working on a augmented reality documentary with... Um, BFI and Story Futures Academy, which is um, very different and actually really nice to do something different and think about storytelling in a sort of location-based way. So I've been doing that and um, yeah, no, no, life's good. I'm working on nice things. I can't can't complain. The professor you mentioned, it seems like you're really into kind of this, these long follows. What is it about, what is it about that, that appeals to you? I just like seeing how people change through time. Like, the internal sort of um thoughts and um relationships and um there's something really special about following someone for a while you also get that relationship that um you know if you're just going in for three weeks and filming i think it's a very different film i'd also like to do that a bit more actually and it's really nice having these projects where you keep them going 
but you work on other things, you know, it's not like I'll just be doing that. That would be, yeah, really difficult. But um, no, I like the working on something for a long time. Yeah, very good. Well, listen, I really enjoyed Donna. I thought it was very moving, oh, touching. Oh, thank you. Really liked her. And it just felt like something very important for people to see right now. So I wish you all the best with luck with it. And uh, oh, thanks so much, Ross. hope everyone goes to see it. So thanks, Jay. Thank you, Ross. Cheers. Thanks again to Jay for taking part in the interview. Donna is available to watch in selected cinemas from July 14th, 2022. Thanks to Stephen Galvin and Phil Marlon for supporting the podcast and to film composer Michael Fleming for kindly allowing me to steal his music. You can find more of it at michaelflemingmusic.com. And thanks to you for listening.